Amen. We are blessed everywhere. Amen. Because the blessing is on us. It's not in a place. It's within us. Amen. The blessed one lives within us. So that's the good thing about us. Everywhere we go, we're blessed. Amen. It's a good thing. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to talk to the floor in a minute if somebody don't say amen to something. I mean, it's all true. My goodness. What are we, what are we mulling it over debating? Amen. All right. We're good. Father in heaven, we thank you for, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for life. Thank you that you've chosen to give us life and that more abundantly. That is, we have spiritual life as well as natural life. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. So we're talking about the fact that we are healed because we believe these things. Amen. You just can't be healed without faith. You've got to, even though it is a law of God's covenant that uh, the righteous are redeemed from the curse of the law, we are healed from every disease, you still have to believe it. Amen. And your believing must be based on the word of God. You just can't believe. See, Christian scientists believe that they're healed, but they don't believe in the blood atonement. Amen. Somebody's got to pay for that healing. Amen. If you go to the hospital, somebody's got, they'll send you a bill, right? Somebody got paid for everything. And so <clears throat> when you talk about a covenant, it has to be a covenant that includes payment. It cannot be just, well, just because you want to believe it and because it sounds good, you grab hold of it. It's got to be based on a real event that is written in heaven, that is recorded by heaven, that it actually took place, that canceled out your debt, that canceled out your sin, canceled out your past, canceled out iniquity, canceled out all of those things that would cause you not to be blessed. And so once we start understanding that our faith must be based on God's word, you know, you can believe anything you want to believe. Uh, faith is like that. It, it goes to, uh, 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 extremes sometimes in what people believe. Uh, we've got people now who are trying to go to Mars and go to the moon and go to all these places because they're, they're totally convinced that there's something that's going to be good for them and they'll be able to live there. You know, be a better place and, oh, you know, the earth is getting too populated. People have been saying that since the earth was created. (laughs) And it's never been true. Uh, If you really think that's true, then you need to talk to God and start getting somebody who can do something about it to do something about it. We can't do anything about it as people outside of what God will give us to do. It's like the people who are concerned about the climate. It's warming up. Well, what are you going to do about it? Oh, I know. Don't eat any hamburgers. Well, that really helps. You understand what I'm saying? And, And they'll go somewhere and eat very expensive beef, but you can't have it. Amen. They want you to, to live by some crazy rules and they have all the freedom. That's, that's typical of humanity. That's been true since people have been into the earth. Uh, you know, after the fall of man, it's been true that one group wants to dictate to the other group and restrict our activities where they do what they want to do. Amen. 
with impunity. So let's, let's get it straight here. When you serve God, you have a pipeline to access to everything that you need. You don't need a middleman. You don't need a government. You don't need anybody to tell you what's yours. The Bible tells you what's yours. So always let the word be your first and your last authority on everything that has to do with your life. God's already planned out your life. He's already provided for everything. He knows what you're going to do. The Bible says he knows your uprising and your down sitting. He knows when you get up in the morning. He knows when you lie down. And so it's it's important for us to keep God is the central focus in everything that we do. But why am I healed? I'm healed because I believe these things. I believe there the certain things in the word that are true. Amen. I accept them as truth for me and truth for anybody else that wants truth. Amen. So yesterday we went over Isaiah 53, which outlines the atonement. Amen. It outlines the fact that Jesus took our pain, sickness, sin, everything that would keep us out of the blessing zone, Jesus took it away. He took it on himself. He paid the price for us to live as as free human beings. And he, the Bible says he bore, carried our sins away. And that's in, uh, that's alluding to the Old Testament um, pro- practice of the atonement where they would put, uh, confess, the priest would lay his hands on the head of an, one, an animal and confess the sins of the whole nation and imputing sin to that animal's soul. Amen. And that animal was released into the wilderness symbolizing your sins don't exist anymore. They have been carried away. The same way Jesus took our sins upon himself when he suffered uh, those stripes on his back and he got more than 39 folks. Under Jewish law, you were, you were given, if you had to be punished for anything, any law that you broke, the maximum that someone was allowed to beat you was 39 blows. Amen. And so when you exceed 39 blows, that means that you detest that person and you want to humiliate them. Amen. And Jesus was beaten until he was unrecognizable. So not only the law of God was satisfied, but the wrath of man was satisfied. See, the, 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 the fact that they exceeded the Jewish law meant that now the sins of the world were being paid for. Come on now. Don't let that one slide by you. Amen. That's how sinners can get saved. Because Jesus suffered humiliation at the hands of Caesar's people. Caesar represents the world. So he satisfied the wrath of man that comes from the world. So that we are, that that the punishment that would come from any offense is satisfied. Amen. And so the, the, the atonement that Jesus uh, paid, paid for all sin, whether it's from breaking God's law that you offended God or breaking man's whimsical laws that we make up 
that exceeds uh, that it exceeded uh, what man would require uh, as payment for sin. Amen. Uh, say, for instance, in some of these cases where a family member has been murdered and the people want they want vengeance. Amen. Will Jesus satisfy that? So that's how a murderer can get saved and get forgiven. Amen. Not only was was God's law satisfied, but also man's man is satisfied through the atonement. So there's nothing owed here on this covenant. You don't owe anything. God says only believe. Amen. If if you think that that punishing yourself by being guilty or depriving yourself of something because you sinned. If you think that's going to satisfy God, you got another thought coming. He's not happy with you trying to take that on yourself. We couldn't pay. We couldn't satisfy that bill. And so once, once God's not satisfied with our efforts, then stop it. Amen. Just endeavor and ask God to help you to do better the next time instead of continuing in sin. And I think that's that's one way that guilt plays into the devil's plan to defeat us. You know, sometimes you'll feel so guilty and you think there's no hope and you think, oh, well, what's what's the use of me trying? And you quit trying. Amen. Amen. We've all done it and, and we'll do it. And that's why you see people in church backslide. They, they, they get tormented. They get off somewhere by themselves and the devil starts telling them, you're not this, you're not that. You'll never measure up. And they're always looking at everybody else in the congregation, comparing themselves to other people. And they fall right in the devil's hands. Amen. I know people have done that. They've been sitting here right next to you and to me over the years. And then all of a sudden they're angry. They come sporadically, and then they drop out and don't come at all. Amen. Well, they, the devil's picked them off. They could be sitting right next to you, but their minds are going haywire. Amen. Everybody's like young people would come in and, and uh, you know, still fornicating and sleeping around with somebody and, and all of that kind of stuff. And eventually, you know, and they'll come up to the altar for prayer. Ask God to deliver them. God, please, I need help. But they don't stay with it. They let the devil talk them in. Well, I'm doing it anyway. I might as well I just, you know, quit. And then they feel ashamed when they get around church people. And that's why they don't show up anymore. It's so common. Amen. It's very common. And so there's a, a place where you've got to stay in the word. You've got to convince yourself that you say you got to convince yourself that you're an overcomer. Amen. God's already done it, but you got to be convinced. Amen. And the enemy's strategy is to keep us from ever being what the Bible refers to as fully persuaded. Amen. Once you're fully persuaded, the devil can't talk you out of it. It's true. It's true. I remember in the early days of, of, of serving God, I was at home the first five years that I was saved and I struggled a lot. Uh, but God, I stayed in the word. God, I would, I would read the Bible like six or eight hours a day. When I didn't read it, I had it beside me. You know, that Bible was my friend because I always felt better after reading it. And I didn't understand what faith was, but I understood that I got peace about my problems even for a little bit. You know how that, that little breath of fresh air comes in there and you remember it? 
And that's what happened to me when I read the word. I would go every day for that breath of fresh air. Amen. And when I would get that, I would say, wow, I wish this would last. You know, but I knew that at some point my mind would go wandering again, often to uh, discouraging thoughts, depressing thoughts, and all of that. And one day I I read, I remember, and I thought I would tell God, I said, well, God, I wish I could just stop thinking like this. I wish I could. And then when I read in Philippians, it says, think on these things. I said, you mean I can choose what I think on? Yeah. Amen. And that that set me on a whole new road. I began to rebuke certain thoughts, and I began to say, nope, that's not right. That's not me. I don't like that thought. I'm not going to think like that. Then I would begin to meditate on the Word. And the Holy Ghost taught me that. Amen. I was not in a church. There were no churches I could go to. They were all, they would laugh at the supernatural. They would make fun of people that prayed for the sick. You understand what I'm saying? And so there are some times when God says, just come over here and let me show you a few things. Amen. And and so once I got around other saved people, they couldn't talk me out of what God had already convinced me of. See, I was fully persuaded that healing was for everybody. I couldn't believe people didn't think God would heal them. Amen. I was fully persuaded that God would take care of you financially. I was always nervous about money, and God put me at ease about it. I remember because I quit working because I couldn't work, and my husband was the the sole breadwinner in the household. And I kept thinking, I said, God, maybe I should go to work. I said, I don't think we're going to be able to manage and blah this and blah that. And my husband just looked at me. He said, you know, some women, they just stay at home. He said, this is what they do. They just manage their homes. And I thought about it. I said, well, that, that sounds reasonable. You know, I mean, I thought you had to have an excuse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shows you where my mind was. See, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that shouldn't be there. Just because we're accustomed to pressure and doubt and fear and all of those things. And I remember we um, we would get a tax return every year. And every year I would watch it dwindle and dwindle and dwindle until like about the middle of the year, it was all gone. And I start watching that amount of money in our checkbook register. And I noticed the whole year was gone and it was still there. When God says you're redeemed from the curse of poverty, you're redeemed. I didn't have to believe it. I didn't have to confess it. He manifested it. Because I was saved. And he needed to show me something. To quit my little nutty brain from worrying about every single... I guess he said, I'm going to help you out. Let me help you out, girl. Let me help you out. And I began to realize that God was doing something supernatural with our finances. We couldn't go broke. We didn't grow broke. We never went broke. Amen. And I never went back to work. I mean, to this day, I haven't worked since then. Amen. And so I'm very, very thankful that God taught me these things. But see, at some point, you got to quit doubting God. you got to get fully persuaded of these things. Amen. So when people would tell me things like, well, uh, you know, God's, I remember uh, being in a, a women's group. You know, I was 
the, they had asked me to serve on their administrative board and, and I was nervous about it, but I just felt like God was telling me it was okay. He would help me. All of those things. I always look to God for help and I still do. I, I never changed that pattern. And, and so when he told me, I got assured that he would help me with these things and, and I began to work in that ministry, I would notice that, that you know, people would have their ideas and, and never change them. You give them the word and they wouldn't change, you know. And I, the one, 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 uh, we got to a point one time where we were concerned about continuing with the meetings because, uh, the offerings had kind of dropped off and, you know, we weren't getting new people in and, you know, a lot of things in the natural would make us nervous. And so I just piped up and suggested, I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we, this next meeting, we'll ask God for a certain amount of money and ask him to bring it in. And, and if he does, we'll just continue with the meeting. So everybody said, oh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Well, when we got the offering, we got the amount. We got more than what we asked for. This one lady said, well, I don't believe that. That's just this one time. And, you know, you want to get up and slap people. You understand what I'm saying? Because here you would get up and discourage everybody with your, you know, wet blanket mentality. You know, and I realize some people are just negative, period. You know, they shouldn't be in leadership as far as I'm concerned, because you'll go shipwreck and they'll keep putting pails of water inside the boat. That's the kind of people. You understand what I'm saying? You're trying to tread water and they're taking water and pulling it inside the the ship. So, Uh, but, you know, I began to see that, like the Bible says, not all men have faith. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's available to them, but they don't use it. They don't take time to build it. They don't take time to do these different things. And so I was, I was encouraged though by God to continue to believe Him. Amen. You don't ever let anybody's doubt talk you out of believing God. As long as you're believing God's word, don't let anybody's doubt talk you out of it. Amen. Just, just continue to, but make sure you're believing God. Amen. Don't, don't get out here on a limb and you're back nervous again. You understand what I'm saying? You keep jumping out there and keep getting yourself nervous and it's no good. God doesn't, he wants us to live in peace. God's got so much provision, it's pathetic the way his people live, to be honest with you. But you got to appropriate that by faith. You just can't be jumping up doing stuff because you feel like it belongs to you, you know. It's, we, we serve a, a God who's, uh, with, he's, he's got wisdom. He's a wise God. He's not out here doing frivolous things, amen. So, we, we believe Isaiah 53, 3, 4, and 5. That talks about the atonement. Atonement, we said, is full payment, not partial payment. So you don't get partial healing. You don't get partial bills paid. You get everything paid for. Amen? Because the atonement paid for everything. Amen. There's nothing to do for us except to believe God and to demonstrate our faith to him. Because faith is an action. It's just not a mental condition or a heart condition. It's both of them, but action to go along with it as well. We also said yesterday 
that we believe we are redeemed from the curse of the broken law. And that's in Galatians 3.13. So we'll probably start there today. So if you'll turn there, uh, you'll see what the author is saying here. He says, verse 11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident because the just shall live by faith. The Bible also says what's not of faith is sin. Amen. So God is really adamant about this faith business. If you step out and do something on a whim, God doesn't have to honor it. It's sin for you if you're not, if you don't have God's faith permission to carry out what you're doing. If you don't have God's, you know, you'll see people who will, they'll, uh, get married to somebody. Well, uh, they're a Christian or they say they're a Christian and, you know, and, and, and you know, people will say, well, why don't you wait a minute, give God a chance, pray about it a little bit, give God a chance to confirm it. If that person is for you, they're not going anywhere, you know, as long as you're seeking God about it and get peace about what you're doing. And, and there are people that I believe might have might have the right person but they push the relationship too quickly amen they don't allow the relationship to mature enough to get confirmed and get um uh, peace about it you know all of the things all the pieces that are necessary to come together uh they don't they're just push 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 rush 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 and then there are some people who can hear from God, you know, click, 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 and it falls into place. And, and it'll seem like to other people that it's not the right thing. Some people are just negative and skeptics, period. You know, they're always going to tell you, oh, that don't sound right to me, <laughs> just because, you know. But uh, you have to know in your heart that it's the right thing for you to do. And so you think sometimes, boy, if they had waited and this person had been able to get in this position or that position or that position, they wouldn't have this stress on their relationship right now. You know, with young people, it's always finances. They don't want to sow enough into each other to get financially secure enough to handle a lot of life's problems and then they life starts to steamroll them once they get together and then they start to blame one another for the friction and the difficulty well just think if you didn't have all that pressure on you you understand what i'm saying i mean it, it could work better and so these are things that that you learn as you go on in life, you learn, but they are good lessons to learn because what's not of faith is sin. And so they'll be praying and praying and asking God to help them. And it's like, God's not moving on their behalf. And what, what I have found people seldom do, and I mean this, and this is something to take note of. They seldom go to God and say, God, Maybe the people that told us to wait, maybe they were right. Maybe we moved ahead of you. And maybe that's why, if that's true, God, forgive me. Now forgive me for starting off on the wrong foot. And I'll tell you, repentance will take you a long way in God's kingdom. Once you, your heart is contrite and you know that, that, that what's not a faith is sin. You're in sin because you moved out of step with God. 
See, God has a plan for us. We don't sit up and make our own plans. We're not here just to do what we want when we want and ask God to co-sign it. That's just wrong. You know, it's like a kid going out buying a car and coming home with the papers and asking mom and dad to co-sign it for him. He's got no job or he's got a, a, a minimum wage job and he's got a brand new vehicle sitting out there. Well, that's wrong. You should make that plan and arrangement ahead of time. If God's with you, he will open the door, open a door of peace, and he'll give you wisdom in how to get it done without so much. You know, people need to be sick of debt. I mean, seriously, if you're if your life is hid with Christ and God and your debts are paid, my goodness, live debt free. I mean, finally, amen, and start to minimize on, on your debt. You know, some things you can't avoid. You Sometimes you got to have a car, you got to have a house, but everything else jacked up with credit cards and stuff, that's not good. It's never good. And so God has freed us. And then what happens is you worry about the payments and then you're worrying God to get it paid for you. And it makes no sense. So God gives us wisdom as well as opportunity. Amen. He gives us opportunity for all kinds of things, but he gives us wisdom as to which opportunities to take. And so God has a plan for us. We need to honor that plan. We need to honor that God even wants us to do some things and wants to help us and wants to provide and wants to guide. We should honor that instead of always trying to get around it and get ahead of it. See if we can go do this and and don't see God about it or assume God's okay with it. You know, we need to grow up and start maturing so that God can begin to trust us with more, uh, more, more, uh, I would say valuable things. (laughs) Spiritual things are always more valuable than natural. He's waiting for us to be faithful with unrighteous mammon first before he can give us some really strong spiritual things. So, but anyway, so we are redeemed from the curse of the broken law, which means that whenever you break the law, when you sin, you don't fall under the curse. If you will repent and you will confess your sin, God applies the atonement to your life because you've received it already when you receive Christ. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He actually cleanses you in such a way that you feel that you've never done anything wrong. That's a wonderful feeling. Amen. It's not wrong to feel like that. Jesus paid a high price for us to feel like that. When he says he took our sin, that means it's gone. Amen. It's not there anymore. You know, believers, we, we're kind of funny people. We want to believe God, but then when it comes to somebody else's sin, we want to tell them about it all the time. <laughs> you ever notice that? Ours is forgiven, but yours, look at you. <laughs> Amen. So, so we have to watch ourselves. It's so easy to think negative about people and look at their faults and but if you're forgiven, they're forgiven. Amen. If you've received the atonement, and see, we're supposed to offer that to people. I mean, preaching the gospel is offering forgiveness to people and offering salvation and healing and the atonement, everything that the atonement pays for, that's the gospel. 
Amen. That's the good news. The good news, you don't have to be sick. Good news, you don't have to go to hell. Good news, you don't have to be broke. You don't have to be lonely. You don't have to be any of those things. That's the good news. That's what we're supposed to preach to people. Amen. And, and offer them to forgive, to, to confess their sins to God. The Bible says to do that. Confess your faults one to another. Remember that. Pray one for another that you can be healed. Amen. And so within righteousness is what avails us much in our prayer life. Amen. So, so then it says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for as written cursed is everyone that continues not in all things written in the law, the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Amen. Not the law. Not by the Ten Commandments. Not do and don't, don't do and don't. Look what I didn't do, God. Look what I did do, God. Look what I... We don't live like that. We live by faith. Amen. And then what God puts on our heart to accomplish, he gives us the grace to get it done. Amen. So then we can't take credit for it anyway. If If it weren't for divine ability, you couldn't get up in the morning, you know, without your bones creaking all the way across the floor. <laughs> I told somebody, I said, well, unfortunately, most of my movements now come with special effects. Amen. Ouch. Ooh. Uh, uh. It's, you know, I can go from soprano to bass to, you know, all of those ranges. But, uh, but praise God, I'm delivered. Amen. Redeemed. (laughs) So it says here, Christ has redeemed us, purchased us out of the curse. Curse can't come on us anymore of the law, which means that God is not putting us on it, putting it on us. Amen. When you're redeemed from the curse of the law, God does not resurrect the curse and put it on you when you disobey. Amen. So you can count on God. Now, what you do to yourself is something different. A lot of people, you know, they talk negative, disobey God, do a lot of things. You can fall into poverty very easily. Amen. Just by mismanagement, misdirection, all of that. That doesn't mean God put the curse on you. Amen. And many people, you know, as as much as I love tithing and giving to God, there's so many people that only give that 10% because they're scared of the curse. But I'm thinking, what's wrong with you people? You read your Bible or what? Amen? They're scared God's not going to bless them. And I'm, I'm a tither. I got tithing rights. And man, you better get in faith. The only reason you can get that little 10% is because God moves you to give it. If he don't move you to give it, you're wrong. You better get in your Bible and get some faith going in what you're doing. Amen. So he was made a curse for us. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Amen. So he did that in our place. We should have been there. But we were, we were there, but we were in him at the time he hung on the tree. Amen. Everybody who's in Christ now was in Christ then when he paid that price, paid the atonement. Amen. And when he raised up, we were raised up with him and in him. Amen. So we're still resurrected people. We're above and, and redeemed from the curse of the law. You can't be cursed, folks. Take that word out of your vocabulary. Unless you're leveling it at the devil. No, you can curse his works. 
Sure, we curse the works of darkness every time we move in God's word. You, you, if your foot is on the devil's neck, it's a curse. You got me? He can't move. He can't bite. He can't get anywhere. Just keep your foot on his neck though. Amen. Don't start listening to him and <laughs> getting soft on, get soft on crime. Don't get soft on sin. Amen. Stay tough on sin. Amen. God will bless you for it. Okay, so we are redeemed from the curse of the broken law. When you break the law, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness, but but vow to not do it again. Don't keep repeat, don't be a repeat offender and expect mercy every time you come to the court. Amen. It's like judges will tell young people that. Well, for some reason, young man, I'm going to give you a second chance, but don't you ever come before my bench again. I'll throw the book at you. Amen. That's right. That's the right attitude. You don't want people, and and usually they're right back there again, repeat offenders, because they felt like they were getting away with something because they got mercy. Don't you take that carnal-minded attitude. When you get God's mercy, that came at a high price. His son was whipped so that you can get forgiven when you make a mistake. Don't be a repeat offender. Amen. Don't go out and keep doing it because you think you're going to get away with it. It's not right. It's a carnal attitude. It's a a sinner's, a thief's attitude, really. You're trying to steal something instead of humbly submitting to the fact that Jesus loves you enough to take that burden off of your life. Amen. So always live in gratitude. When you're forgiven, always live in the joy that God has purchased for you. But don't be a repeat offender and think because God didn't put you in jail this time that you've gotten away with something. You know, we as believers should respect God more than that. Amen. And honor him more. And God, I don't want to do anything uh, that's going to offend you and going to damage my relationship with you. Amen. You ever said something to somebody you love and care about and wish you hadn't said it? Then you're nervous when you're around them until you go to them and humble yourself and say, would you please forgive me? I was wrong for doing that. I was wrong for saying that. I don't want to offend you. I want, I want to live in peace with you. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I should never have opened my mouth. You got me? I mean, be normal. I mean, to me, that's normal. That's a normal way to, to, to regard your wrong and regard iniquity. It's just normal to want to make that right. As much as you can, you can't take the words back. You can't undo things, but you can be contrite about it. And don't go around people and try to pretend like you didn't do anything. That's even adds to the offense, you know. It's like you look at people sometimes and say, now they haven't asked for forgiveness yet. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you, you as a believer, we have to do these things. And you notice when people treated you wrong, and then now they're trying to be nice and smiley, but they never humble themselves and say, would you please forgive me for that? I shouldn't have done that. You understand what I'm saying? And and smooth it over like it never, well, that's not how we live. Jesus wore stripes on his body for us to be able to come clean, live clean, live in harmony, live in peace, live in love. He's got a higher level of living 
than that for us. Amen. Married people, be careful with that because we live sloppy at home. You'll do things uh, at your workplace that you won't do at home sometimes. Don't get sloppy with, with, you know, forgiveness and all that. Do it across the board. Always be willing, quick to repent. Amen. Quick to forgive. Quick to ask for forgiveness. All of that. And, and live in peace with God and with man. Amen. Praise God. So we are redeemed from the curse of the law. I believe that one too. Do you believe that? Amen. So we both, we all believe that we, we've received the atonement that Jesus took stripes on his body. We believe also we are redeemed from the curse of the law. He took our place in, 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 uh, sin and sickness and punishment. So that's not due us anymore. We're not to be punished for our sins anymore. Amen. Amen. Praise God. If you have to wait on something, that's not punishment. God's waiting on you to get your faith in order. Amen. So don't think of God as punishing you because he doesn't. Amen. He is not punishing us. Amen. In Exodus fifteen twenty six, we have another statute in an ordinance given by God to his people. Amen. And it says here, this is when Moses turned the poison water into drinkable water. The Bible says it was bitter and then he t- showed it sweet. Amen. And he said, and let me just give you the story because it's, it's a good way to keep, you know, to tie in the work of the cross to the Old Testament. These are shadows of what Jesus would do later. And uh, verse 22, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out unto the wilderness of Shur and they were three days in the wilderness, pretty deep. And found no water. Now, that doesn't mean they didn't have anything to drink for three days. You know, God's smarter than that, folks. So I believe they had provision of water, but probably not certain how long it was going to last. And, of course, you want to to um, refresh and replenish your resources. And so as they are three days in the wilderness, they kind of are looking for some water to drink, fresh water to drink. And when they came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was Mara. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, what are we going to drink? And Moses cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a rule or a law or an ordinance or a statute. And he said to them, if you will diligently hearken or listen to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all of his laws. I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. Now listen. Dumb people had just been mad at Moses and told him off. And, do you understand what I'm saying? God gave them water anyway. 
Then he tells them, I'm going to make this a rule from now on. He says, if you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight. Well, they didn't do that. Hello? They did not do that, did they? We already said they were out of order. We already said they were murmuring and complaining. We already said that they were in sin with their mouths. Yet, God bless them anyway. You know, sometimes God teaches us as we go. You ever done something wrong and, and, and it turned out right and you got scared? Who did that? How'd that happen? I can't think of one thing I did right to make that happen. Amen? And so what God is doing here, he is teaching them as they go. He said, now you did this wrong. You complained, you murmured, you weren't obedient to me. You've been grumbling and complaining for three days now. Yet, I gave you water anyway because you wanted water. So you cried out in your sinful condition, and I bless you anyway. Amen? But then he corrects him and says, now, if you fix that for me, I'll bless you all the time. So he shows us, he blesses us first. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He'll bless you first and then explain to you what you did wrong and how to correct it so that you don't mess up again. I'm going to say it again. Because, see, we've been living like this and we don't even realize how wrong we are sometimes. I'm serious. If your child was drowning, would you stand there and say, well, what did you, how'd you get in this water? You better not, just drown. I don't care. You just go stay in there. You did wrong getting in here. I told you not to climb over in that pool. No, you pull them out first. And then you instruct them in how to avoid falling in the pool again. Do you understand me? And that's what God did here. He said, I'm making a law. That's going to stand for all time. From now on, I'm commanding you to listen to me, act like me, do what I tell you to do. Don't complain. Don't murmur. Stay out of sin. If you stay out of sin, I'll keep you healthy. Well, Barb, who can stay out of sin? We can But I always do stuff. Yeah, but you get forgiven. If you confess it, you're forgiven. That's what he's talking about. Keep my rules. Didn't he say, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. So if you're cleansed, that means no disease. Your sin doesn't just hang on you anyway after you've confessed it. should try confessing more often and see if that works for you. You understand what I'm saying? What did Jesus say about Mary? When she was sitting at his feet and he asked Simon, he said, who do you think loves the most? The one who confesses little or the one who, well, the one who confesses forgiven much. And she was forgiven much because she confessed much. They were full of sin and never confessed it. All right, I'm moving on, okay? You can get that if you want to, if you don't. But you know what? Your confession is your best friend. You're coming to God in in humility and being contrite. That's your best friend. 
Amen. Turning your back on selfishness. That's your best friend. Amen. In this life, you can't do better than that. That is your best friend everywhere that you go. So he made a statute and an ordinance. Keep short accounts with God. You start getting disturbed in your soul and your mind. You go to God and say, God, you know, this isn't right. My thinking isn't right here. I mean, even if it's on a thought level, you don't have to be saying anything to anybody. You don't have to be offending anybody. If your thought life is is full of, of doubt and fear and unbelief, you're offending God. He lives inside you. You got to live inside of you with all them crazy thoughts. Huh? So you keep short accounts with God. It'll keep your mind stable. It'll keep your, your, your thought life healthy. So that when you need to make a decision, the answer is close to you. You don't have to wait for everything and fear everything and wonder if God's going to help you this time. All that stuff. You can avoid all of that by thinking on things that are good and pure and lovely, praiseworthy, thankworthy, good report. And I'm not talking about fantasizing. I'm talking about meditating on God's word. It'll enrich your mind. The Bible says we're to love God with all of our mind. Amen. Love him with your mind. What does that mean? Think his word all the time. Think thoughts that he would think so you have something in common with him. You have something to discuss with God. Think, think on his level. Amen. So they were delivered from poison water. I always pose this question. Suppose they had gone up to that bitter water, praising God and thanking him. Huh? Standing in righteousness instead of murmuring and complaining. You think that water would have remained bitter or you think it would have sweetened on its own? There are a lot of things that bite us that if we come to God in the right attitude, we have no power to hurt us. Got me? See, everything doesn't have to be negative and you pray your way out of it. There are some things that will harm other people that will have no effect on you whatsoever. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) People always... I said, I don't don't eat that stuff. I don't eat that stuff. I don't eat that stuff. Well, how many things are you not going to eat? You understand what I'm saying? The Bible says God gives us all things richly to enjoy. Well, see, that upsets my stomach. Girl, nothing upsets me. I bless it and throw down. So you've got to have a word in you. Now, food, I mean, but don't let anything rule you. Don't let fear of anything rule your life. That's the principle I'm trying to get you to look at. You understand what I'm saying? You know, whether I eat too many Twinkies or whatever I do is beyond the issue here. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you probably said that lady need to avoid some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know I do. But I'm not turning it down because it's bad for me. You get too many things that's bad for you, you're going to be in a bad shape. You bless that. You do what God says to do. 
bless it and sanctify it. It's sanctified by your word and by prayer, you know. It's just crazy the way some people live. And they call themselves Christians. So anyway, none of the diseases that he put on the Egyptians are for us or our children. He says that here. He says, I will have, he says, I will put none of these diseases. In other words, poison water has no effect on you. Amen. Amen. If you eat any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. That's a New Testament promise to believers. And he says, the ones that I have brought upon the Egyptians, I heal you. Sinners, I don't have a covenant of healing with. I can get one with them if they'll obey me and come to me in repentance. But people that, see, this is why there are people sick and dying of COVID and we're still here. Amen. Nobody's gotten anything. Amen. Because you're a believer. You're trusting God for your health. Now we got this some poor guy, a golfer, I was reading today, he's fully vaccinated. He's had COVID. Every time he gets close to winning a tournament, last three tournaments he got close to winning, he comes down with a positive test and has to drop out. Now see, this is big money, this golfing stuff. And he's in the Olympics now. He's been trying to get through the Olympic trials, and there he's tested positive again, fully vaccinated. You got me? you got to trust God's word. you got to trust God's word. God didn't leave us here defenseless and hopeless and helpless. He left us with enough of his power in his word to resurrect the dead. Amen? It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in our mortal bodies. Amen? Even though these bodies are going to drop dead one day if Jesus tarries, he's left resurrection life on the inside of us. Get it to working for you. Amen? Speaking, get speaking to yourself and telling yourself, you're not going to die, you're going to live. And you're going to live healthy. Not going to live feeble and crazy. You're going to live healthy. Amen? And just begin to hold God to his promises. He promised it to you. He's faithful to do it. Amen. So none of the evil diseases of Egypt. Amen. Deuteronomy 7.15. I believe this one as well. I don't know about you, but I believe it. Deuteronomy 7. There's no reason not to believe. If you believe one scripture, you should believe them all. Amen. It says, you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will put none, not one, none. Oh, well, you know, they told me I have cancer and that's incurable. Well, when God says none, he means none. I don't know what your none means, but his none means none. That includes incurable cancer. None of the evil diseases. Are we evil people? Well, we don't get evil disease. Amen. None of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you, which you know, See, Israel lived in a place called Goshen when they were in Egypt. It was a sectioned off area of land that, that was given to them by the Pharaoh that, that uh, Joseph worked for. 
Joseph asked the Pharaoh, he said, could my people have land to live here? They, they, Israel had some practices that the Egyptians didn't go for. Amen. They, they raised cattle and things, Egyptians. That was an abomination to them. The Egyptians didn't eat with them because it was just, it was two different gods. So Joseph said, let's live over here where we can worship our own God the way we want to and obey God the way we want to. It's best if you live separated from sinners. You live a separated life. Amen. You shouldn't have people that you know and, and that are not serving God and you got to see them every day, go to dinner with them every day, talk to them. What do you have to talk about? You understand what I'm saying? It, Hang around believers. What's wrong with believers? Like, like, uh, what's his name? Samson's parents said to him. Samson, you know, he said, go get me this girl over here. I like her. Well, she's a sinner, Samson. How come you don't ever like any Hebrew girls? There's a lot of Christian men like that. They'll go out into the world to find somebody every single time. I guess they got enough fear of God to know not to mess around with his daughters. Amen. But they go out and get in sin before you know it. They got two or three kids. Aren't you saved? They stay saved if they stay in their own with their own people. And no, if she really loves God, she ain't gonna sleep with you. You ain't got no business with sleeping with anybody. What you think? What kind of privileges you think we got around here? You are not privileged to go to hell. If you belong to God. And it, the worst thing in the world is contaminating some of his daughters. My goodness. You, you'd rather drink strychnine than be going through the church fornicating. That's just crazy. You gonna be in the world? Go be in the world. I don't know what to tell you. It's best for you to repent and make up your mind. You gonna serve God. It's a mind thing. It's, it has nothing to do with your hormones, your youth, your body, your nothing. It's a mind thing. Get your mind off of that. Get your mind in your word. Get your mind on something that's going to edify you. Amen? Cut that out. Got to stop sometime. <laughs> that's the way I tell people. Listen, if you sit and you're going to have to stop sometime, it might as well be today. Amen? Amen. So he says here, uh, where we at? 15? Deuteronomy 7.15? Yeah, alright. So he says, for the Lord your God, oh, 7.15, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness. All of it. Even the incurable ones. I have a friend that has a ministry where he's teaching people who have MS how to get their healing from the word. I've never heard of anybody stepping out doing that and confronting incurable disease. You understand what I'm saying? And he just goes about it. You know, he sounds like any other healing minister. He's not trying to dummy it down for anybody. He's not trying to make it real hard for them, but he just keeps telling them, to trust God and put their faith in the word that they are healed. Amen. It's wonderful. I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, some of these things that God gives people to do, sometimes you need to reach out and reach certain groups of people because in the church, they probably get looked over or 
you know, rebuked a lot. I mean, it's all kinds of attitudes we have about these things. So, you know, it, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Let God work with you in that. So praise God. But he says here, none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know, they saw it, but they didn't have it. They saw the Egyptians sick a lot, but they weren't. They lived in Goshen. They had their their uh, ways of living to obey God. You know, this was before Moses' time, before the law of Moses was given. But they lived in a zone where they could obey God, they could worship God, until the Pharaohs came down too hard on them and stopped the worship. See, when God said, let my people go so that they could do what? Come out in the wilderness and worship me. The Egyptians had stopped their worship. Amen. They had stopped it so that they weren't able to receive from God the way they needed to. Because if they could have worshiped God where they are, he never would have had to bring them out. But once the worship stops, see, that's a notice for all these governments that are putting Christians in jail. These Canadians that are throwing pastors in jail because they want to worship with their people and they're not breaking any, they're social distancing. They got masks on, but somehow when it's church, now the laws change. Well, they're going to pay for that. Do you understand? Well, you don't get to do that to God's people. Just like the Egyptians paid for it, anybody else is stupid enough to do it will pay for it too. Amen? Amen. So, so, People have to be careful how they treat God's people. You cross a line there where God's ordained that we worship him and you tell us we can't and shut our doors so that we can't gather together. Really? You want to do that? So they had seen the Egyptians sick all the time, but they never got it. Contagion comes from the realm of the spirit. It's not just physical. It's a spiritual thing. It starts in the realm of the spirit. Amen. Demon spirits have permission to attack certain people. Except if you're blood covered. You're under the blood. You don't get any evil diseases. You don't get any diseases. Amen? But you got to believe. You just can't assume it. you got to be serving God. You can't just be out there claiming stuff. I'm not going to get this and I'm not going to get that. You know, you got to believe in your heart. you got to have the blood applied to your life. you got to believe in the power of the blood to protect you from illness. Amen. It's an active blood. It was shed once, but it's still talking. The Bible says that in Hebrews, the blood of Jesus speaks better things. Amen. It speaks that we're healed. It speaks that we're redeemed. It speaks none of these evil diseases can be put on us. God's not putting it on us. Amen. Well, I know I went to the doctor and they diagnosed. Well, you better rebuke it. You better refuse it. What do you want to believe? 
kills me. Pissed people, you try to help people and they want to argue with you and make you the bad person because you're speaking God's word. Amen. And that's not new. That's been since, you know, since the ark. <laughs> but he says he's going to take it all away from you. Amen. Even if it comes upon you, he'll take it away from you. Amen. But he says he's not going to put no evil disease. Amen. But he will lay them upon all that hate you. That's interesting. Yeah. See, that way you don't even have to pray for. You don't have to say, God, go get them. He knows what to do. These crazy people that want to restrict Christians' activity. See, they'll put us in jail and get sick and then be wanting to creep up to the jail and ask us to lay hands on them. See what I'm saying? (laughs) All right. I'll do it, Lord. I'll pray for them. (laughs) I will never accept symptoms of sickness. Amen. I'll submit to God, resist the devil, and he must flee from me and take his sickness with him. Amen. That's what I believe. I mean, I believe the word of God. Amen. Amen. So we are in Christ with all of his health, all of his wealth, all of his mental ability. We are in Christ. So you have the ability to draw from all the resources of Jesus anytime you have a need for something. You're not walking around memorizing a lot of instruction for how to how to get through in life. You're just living your life. And if a situation comes up and you need God's wisdom, ask for it. He'll give it to you. The Bible says he gives it to us liberally. So they are there for us, reserved for us for our time of need, okay? So don't try to go around and prove how smart you are in God because you're not. You have the one who has the answers living inside of you. And he freely gives us all things that pertain to life and that pertain to godliness. Amen. So we said the atonement is full payment. I believe that Jesus took my sickness and my sin. I believed I'm redeemed from the curse of the broken law. So when I break the law, I can be forgiven if I confess and I'm not under the curse anymore. Amen. I believe that I am redeemed from the curse of the broken law and none of the diseases that Jesus, that the Lord put on the Egyptians are for me. He takes all evil sicknesses away from me. So whatever sickness, I don't know of any sickness that's not evil. I don't know of a nice sickness that you could have. Do you? They're all bad. Amen. But but I think the writer put that there for emphasis, that, that it was because of evil that these diseases came on them. Well, the Egyptians didn't know to, to worship God. They worshiped the Nile. They worshiped frogs. They, they worshiped the Nile and everything that came from it. That's why they had the plagues. The plagues contained everything they worshiped. God said, you like that? I'll give you a lot of it. So they had frogs all throughout, but there was none in Goshen. Amen. They had lice everywhere, but there was 
Nun and Goshen. Amen. They had all of those. Those were the things that they worship. Whatever God, whatever you worship, God will let you have it. That's how people get addicted to drugs. I'm just going to do this one time. I'm not like everybody else. Before you know it, they've sold everything, given away everything in exchange for a fix. Amen. Amen. So, so God then is, is able to demonstrate to us where, where our error and where our fault is. Amen. So none of the diseases that he put on the Egyptians are for us. He takes all of our sicknesses away. My job as a believer is to believe and keep believing in spite of how I feel. In spite of if it looks like things are getting worse and not better. In spite of what it looks like. Amen. So God has put inside of us as believers a knowing, a sense of knowing. When we, uh, when you believe something, God will give you, um, I guess you could say a confidence. That's faith. Faith is the confidence of things you haven't seen yet. You have a confident knowing that those things are there for you. Amen. Amen. In Genesis 15, this is something God did for Abraham. Because Abraham had wavering faith. Just like we do sometimes. Only we don't have to live like that. Price has been paid for us to have strong faith. Faith of Abraham is strong faith, folks. Don't ever say you have little faith, not enough faith, wavering faith. You have strong faith. Don't ever let the devil talk you out of it. You have it if you'll use it. Amen. That's what we have available to us. So in, in any way, um, in Genesis chapter 15, Abram comes to the Lord and, and God promises Abraham the same things or Abram, this before he changed his name, uh, signifying that he had a secure covenant. He had an oath with Abraham at this time. Verse 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. In other words, I am going to reward you exceedingly if you'll obey me, if you'll believe me and obey me. Got to believe first. You know, if you try to obey God without believing, you'll quit real fast. You understand what I'm saying? Just just obeying him and you're always looking to see if it's paying off or not. And if you're not in faith, it's not going to pay off. So stay and meditate a while till you really believe God. And then let that faith move you to do what he's telling you to do. Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Amen. What are you going to, What? how am I going to know this? What are you going to give me? God's promised Abraham this before. And Abraham's been following God, but he's getting a little tired of following him and not seeing anything. Don't act like that's not you, okay? Amen. We've all been there. Following God half-heartedly, trying to believe, not sure if we believe, trying not to get in doubt, trying, 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 trying. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
So Abraham wants to be sure, just like we want to be sure. At least he's honest enough to say it. We need to be just as honest. It's the same God. Amen. So he says, I'm your shield. In in other words, I'll protect you from all enemies. And I'm your exceeding great reward. I'll reward you. And Abram says, well, if that's true, what are you going to give me? He said, you promised me a son. I don't have one. I've got servants. I'm going to have to leave him everything unless you give me a son like you say you're going to do. Amen. And he says, he says, uh, and behold, in verse 4, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this shall not be your heir. The guy that's your slave won't be your heir. But somebody who's going to come from your own bowels. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven. Tell the stars if you'll be able to number them. He repeats the same promise. In other words, until you get what God initially promised you, he ain't changing what he promised you. Now, you can believe you're not qualified to get it anymore if you want to, but God has not changed his mind about what he's going to do for you and how he's going to bless you. The deal is still on the table as far as he's concerned. And it says... And he believed him. So God has this conversation with him. Abraham's doubting. God tells him again, I'm going to do this for you. And then he, he, he convinces Abraham to believe him. Just believe me one more time, Abraham. Come on, you can do it. You believe me back there. You believe me over here. You believe me over here. Now you're running out of belief. I'm going to reiterate it again and let you know I've not changed my mind. That's usually what we do. We we get to the point where because it hasn't happened yet, we think God changed his mind. And he's reassuring Abraham, I didn't change my mind. I'm still going to do that for you. It doesn't matter how long it takes. It matters to us if it takes time, but it doesn't matter to God. Amen? Right. He brings time with him. Abraham and Sarah had this baby when they were both close to a 100. Abraham was real close. Sarah was less close. It was about maybe like 13, they think 13, 17 years went by. And God still promising. I think Abraham was less than 80 when he first left Ur of the Chaldees and went and followed God. Now he's 99. That's over 20-something years. They're believing God for a baby that most people have when they're young. Plus, they were too old, both of them, by now. Not right now. Abraham's still fertile. But, you know, Sarah's never been able to have children. So then he says he believed the Lord. And what God did here was he made a blood covenant with Abraham. When Abraham says, what will you give me? God then sets up a sacrifice. Amen. That makes all the difference in the world. Until the sacrifice comes, it's just words. You got me? Until blood is shed, it's just words. Amen? It could be anybody's words. It could be something you think will happen. It'll be something your dad told you would happen, or your mom told you would happen, or they tried to encourage you in the Lord and they gave you some wrong information. Why? They haven't shed blood to back up that promise. But here God sheds blood to back up the promise, which makes it an oath. Amen? What is an oath? 
An oath is a promise that gives you a knowing about something. An oath invokes the curse if the word is not kept. Now, Abram had been accustomed to blood covenants. They did that all the time, man to man. If you pass through somebody's property and they had rights to eliminate you for trespassing, if that man would swear an oath with you, that meant that, that he would, would, his life was in exchange for your life in that oath. So he couldn't take your life without taking his too. So it would be a murder-suicide. You got me? An oath makes all the difference in the world. That's why we can stand on the word of God. Because it's backed with the blood of Jesus. What God really says, he invokes a curse on himself if he doesn't keep his word to us. He invokes a curse on himself if he doesn't heal you. He invokes a curse on himself if he doesn't take care of you. He invokes a curse on himself if he doesn't take you to heaven when you die. He invokes a curse on himself if he doesn't keep his word. That's what makes all the difference in the world. So you can comfortably uh, believe God for the impossible because he himself invoked that curse on himself. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6 real quick. How much time do I have left? Probably not much. I'll take it real quick. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore. But you know what the swear means? Swears mean I swear my life on this. I swear against my own life. Now, we think it's not that serious, but it is with God. It may not be with us, but it is with him. We're not allowed to swear, but he sure is. He swore by himself. He can swear by no higher. He swore by himself. Amen. Saying surely, surely means without a doubt. Without going back. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. Multiply, 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 multiply. Whatever it is you have, he multiplies it. And that's for certain, amen? So after he had patiently endured, he attained the promise. This is where we go wrong. We want to skip verse 15, patient endurance. We want everything instantly. So if you trust God, you'll patiently endure endure until he releases it to you. He says, for men truly swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. So if somebody swears something to you, after that, there's there's no more question, no more doubt. You know they mean what they say, and they're going to keep their word. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. He won't change his mind. If he spits it out and tells you it's yours, it's yours forever. Amen. Oh, what do you mean? You don't know what I did, Mark. If he said it's yours forever, take it and run. Before he finds out what you did. Just a joke. But you know what I'm saying. If you're, you're, 
that weak in your faith to think that your mistakes can stop him after all he's done for you? He took your sin away. You're living in heaven with him on earth right now. Heaven's come down and lives in you by the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost is living with you, you mean he can't pay your bills? You mean he can't uh, uh, cure your diseases? He's living in you. Why don't you let him take over the joint? He says, which hope we have, he said, two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. That's an oath and a promise that we might have strong consolation. You know what strong consolation is? It's an anyhow factor. You're healed anyhow. Amen. You're redeemed anyhow. You're blessed anyhow. Anyhow. Uh, what how? Anyhow. Anyhow you mean if I mess up and I feel lousy because I messed up again? Yeah, anyhow. Amen. Anyhow. Which hope we have is an anchor of the soul. So that hope, let that hope take over in your brain. Instead of thinking about all the ways you messed up and mistakes you made. Amen. Both sure and steadfast. That sounds pretty good. You want to be sure of what God's going to do. You want to be steadfast in your belief in God. Amen. And which enters into within the veil. Amen. So, so strong consolation comes from the oath. He swears upon his own life. Hebrews 7. Verse 20, where do we have there? No, come on. I don't want to go there. We'll just stop with that one. The oath of confirmation. Amen. It's made him the priest, high priest forever. So he took the place of every other priesthood that ever was on the earth. That oath swearing upon, bringing down, calling down a curse upon his own life, if he does not keep his word to us, elevated the priesthood so that it's unchangeable now. God cannot change what he's promised. He cannot change his word. He cannot change his intention to bless us. He cannot change because he staked his life on it. He sworn an oath on that. Amen. So that's why he says none of the diseases. I am your great reward, Abraham. I'm going to give you a son. I don't care how long it takes. And Abraham's like, well, I care how long it takes. Well, too bad. God's going to have his way. See, if you believe God, you believe you can let him have his way. You don't have to get everything right now. You don't have to get everything real fast. You don't have to have everything overnight. You don't have to have evidence that you're healed. Amen. Your faith is your evidence. His word is your evidence. There's as much evidence as you need. And so when we can trust God at his word, amen, that's strong consolation. You don't have to go to bed worrying at night. Oh, wow, when's this going to happen? When is God going to do this for me? When is this going to reverse? Is my, my, am I ever going to get well? Am I ever going to get released? Am I ever going to get, yeah, you will. Once you quit worrying about it and take God at his word. Amen. When you stop fretting and you patiently endure, 
the doubtful thoughts. Keep batting them away. LaBarb, you don't know how long I've been doing it. Keep doing it. You've been doing it a long time. What's to stop you from continuing? You ought to be used to it by now. Amen? Keep rebuking the evil thoughts. Keep rebuking the fears. Stay in your word. Keep filling your mind. Apparently, you must need it. If you're still getting distracted by negative thoughts, you need to get in the word. Amen? That's where you belong. Got no business coming out anyway, letting the devil build a nest in your hair. Amen? (laughs) We don't have to do that. He might visit you with a thought here and there, but you don't have to entertain it. You can send those thoughts away. Just like on the same way they came in, you can send them out, as the Word of God says. Amen? Without That means they don't leave a deposit with you. Same way they came in, they'll leave. Amen? Why don't we stop? Lord, we thank you for your Word. Thank you, Lord, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for mercy, for hope, for the covenant, for the blessing. Thank you, Lord, for every good and perfect gift, every right and perfect thing, every right and perfect thought that you've given us today, Lord. We honor you, we love you, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. If somebody needs prayer, you know, I forgot our declaration today, and we need to still do that, okay? All right, repeat after me. I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God.